You're listening to the Monday edition of Make and Multiply, a podcast for the people of Emmaus Road Church. We call these Monday episodes Hear and Obey because we are in the Word talking about the text of Scripture that we just preached on Sunday. My name is Ryan Chase, one of the pastors at Emmaus Road Church, and I'm joined today by Matt Groon and Mark Christensen. Love when I have both of you here to talk and process these ideas. Um, Matt, you preached this text Thank you for how you handled this word. Um, just before we turn the microphone on, we were talking about whether or not we'd read through the whole thing. It's a longer chapter, uh, 36 verses, and, and I'm going to read it all. And I realize if you're listening to this podcast episode, you have the option to just tap uh, fast forward and, and skip ahead over this if you're familiar with the text. But if not, we want you to have access to the audio so you can hear the word as well. And you know, the thing that comes to my mind is um, a passage in Romans 10 that says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. And so God's word is specifically the, the thing that God uses to produce faith in us and, and hearing the word. So um, I'm going to read it and then we'll talk through this. So Exodus 16, they set out from Elam and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai on the 15th day of the second month after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full, for you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger." Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. So Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, and in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to the full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord." Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quail came up came up and covered the camp. In the morning, dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Gather of it, each one of you, as much as he can eat. You shall each take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent. And the people of Israel did so. They gathered some more, some less. But when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack. Each of them gathered as much as he could eat. And Moses said to them, let no one leave any of it over till the morning. But they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning and it bred worms and stank. And Moses was angry with them. 
Morning by morning, they gathered it, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil. And all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning, as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place, let no one go out of his place on the seventh day so the people rested on the seventh day now the house of israel called its name manna it was like coriander seed white and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey moses said this is what the lord has commanded let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations so that they may see the bread with which i fed you in the wilderness when i brought you out of the land of egypt and moses said to aaron take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the lord to be kept throughout your generations as the lord commanded moses so aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept the people of israel ate the manna 40 years till they came to a habitable land they ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of canaan in omer is the tenth part of an ephah this is the word of the Lord. <laughs> Thanks be to God. Mm. What a story. Yeah. Things that stand out to you guys upon hearing. I think, you know, it's a reminder to me hearing it again and again, even though we're familiar with the story, it's when you read it, when you hear it, you notice things and you go, I missed that last time. Or this, this hit me in a new way this time. Just starting with general observations. What do you notice? Yeah, I think as we've gone through Exodus, there's been times where you're hearing the word or you're reading it. You see all this repetition. It's, you know, God speaking to Moses and then Moses and Aaron speaking to the people. Um, and it's, it's the same. They're, they're communicating what God has said to them. But I think what we should see there is that um, Moses specifically has an um, important part to play. He's the, he's the prophet of the people. He's the one that goes between the people and God. Mm. Um, and so... It's important to have him there um, seeing that because like when God addresses um, the people for going out and gathering on the seventh day, he says to Moses, mm. oh, that you wouldn't obey everything that I've already commanded you. Um, and so, yeah, I think just even going forward, um, the important part that Moses has to play as the one who calls upon God and then goes to the yeah. people and says Mediator. this is what God has said. Yeah, that's a great point clearly functions as a, a mediator. I, I noticed again this time and <clears throat> yeah, I, I, you know, spent a lot of time in the text. So you pick up on it and some stuff just doesn't make it. But again, hearing it read, I, I noticed this as I was reading it yesterday, as well as now, how often the phrase um, or just the, the reality that God heard their grumbling. I think it's mentioned maybe four times mm. that the Lord heard their grumbling. Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it's a sweet reminder to me, I guess, of like he, he makes clear in this text that he is listening and yeah. that he is he's, he's not some distant, far off deity, mm. um, but he, his aim is to dwell, am dwell amongst us and to be in and amongst us. And so just how kind it is of God that he hears our cries, he hears our um, he hears our hearts and even in our grumbling, he, he is he's not aloof. He's not distant. Yeah. Um, and that's just repeat even in the first, I think 
nine, ten verses. It, I think it's repeated four or five times. I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. And then mm-hmm. he acts, mm-hmm. which is just so gracious of him. Yeah. Yeah, because we could say a lot about grumbling and the sin of grumbling right. and their discontentment and their ingratitude and their unbelief. And yet it still stands that God heard them. Yeah, what they couldn't say is, well, God doesn't listen to me. Right. Yeah, he was attentive. His eye was on them. Yeah. He heard them and not just heard them in a begrudging way, but he intended to act for them, mm-hmm. which is a great relief from um, the tendency to think that in prayer, we have to say the words in just the right way mm-hmm. to, to get God to act, which is a very... Um, you know, superstitious kind of way of, of thinking, or in the end, it, it makes it about trying to manipulate God as though if, mm. if we could say the right things, we would manipulate him. Right. Um, rather than just knowing he hears and he knows what we need even before we ask it. Yeah. And he is so inclined to provide for us. And that's true too of like, you know, this was, Mark and I were talking before, this is the second of these, of, of three kind of wilderness grumbling scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first one, uh, where there's uh, the the brackish water, the bitter water. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think Moses, in writing the text, is communicating. Um, it was it was a fairly small ish murmur. Um, you know, generally yeah, it's quieter. But you know, the, I think the text he just says, and the and the people asked Moses, "Where's the water?" Um, and Logical it's very, question. Yeah, it's very fair. Like, okay, yeah, hey, you haven't found any water. It's three days. You've been in the desert. You've got a lot of people. All right, let's go. We can't find any. But then he highlights in this text in chapter 16 that the entire congregation of the people of Israel mm-hmm. have complained. The whole congregation, uh, meaning it's just heightened. So, you know, what? It, what's so crazy is, okay, a way more people are involved now in the grumbling and yet, even in the small number in the first scene, God still delivered. He still provided. Yeah. And so, you know, like you were saying, it's not a uh, a manipulation of God as if they were to say, well, he didn't listen to us the first time. Let's all get together and start yelling. Yeah. Um, well, he did listen to you and he did respond graciously and mm-hmm. kindly. And now you respond not with gratitude, but with even more grumbling yeah. and complaining. I, I liked your structure in that sermon and... Uh, I, th- I thought the alliteration was helpful. <laughs> Protest, promise, provision as a memory thing for me anyway. And, and in that first part, the, their protest, their grumbling, it, it, this story, it, it always strikes me how they frame the issue. And hmm. this will come up again. But when they say in verse three, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord. Right. Not mm-hmm. even like, you know, that, that Pharaoh had killed us or some rocks fell on our no would that god had killed us it would be better <laughs> it would have been better if god had just struck us with the plagues it, and you just think you, you don't know what you're saying yes what what kind of crazy talk is that but and, and i think you helpfully pointed this out in in the sermon it it does not take a whole lot of um financial pressure or um, facing a crisis of provision mm-hmm. for us to suddenly get very desperate, very anxious, very fearful, and to start looking back kind of a grass is greener mm-hmm. conspiracy. It was so much better. We just, we see the past even in different ways. You, you mm-hmm. start seeing it through rose colored glasses, even though they were slaves and it was awful. I mean, they just totally reinterpret and reframe yep. their own history 
and and like you said forget what god has just done for them mm-hmm. and all that he has proven to be it just that that struck me in reading this would that we had died by the hand of the lord yeah <laughs> and their grumbling is it's not over some big thing like when we get to land what are you know what are we going to do what am i going to do for my family um you know how much land are we going to have it's over small things like food and water yeah that they're grumbling about and so um i think you said this in your sermon matt the glow of the exodus has really died by now. Yeah. And it didn't take long. It did no. not take long at all. Just no. to grumble over a small thing. Yeah, the whole trip from from the Red Sea, where they sang the song that, you know, Ryan, you preached on, all the way up to Mount Sinai in chapter 18 is, is one month. Mm. It, it's, mm. it's four weeks. And in that, you have three separate scenes of them asking God, where are you? What, what's happening? Why are we dying? <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. it's just... It really is. There's, it's, we are so, nothing kind of, like I said, destabilizes me quicker than questions of, oh gosh, a, a bill came up. How are we going to pay for yeah, this? Yeah. Or, um, you know, Provision. we look at the, the market and it does crazy things. Like, how are we going to, how am I going to, as a man, gonna, as a husband, as a dad, going to provide for my family? Mm-hmm. You know, all those questions just, they, they just rattle us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think on the one hand, um, they seem like small things, but food and water yeah. are essential to survival. Right. Um, and that, uh, did we talk about this on this podcast? I forget where it came up recently. When, when you think about hunger, we can all relate to when you're extra hungry, you can be extra prone to the flesh mm-hmm. and anger and frustration and yeah. irritability and just being crabby think about hungry kids so <laughs> imagine the parents what they're you know it's it's food but if you don't see any provision on the horizon right. no grocery stores there's you know no no crops growing you're just wandering in the desert now and it starts yeah. to sink into people uh hey we didn't pack any we have no provisions <laughs> We just left in a hurry because God said to leave in a hurry. Yes. So it it just, it strikes at the heart of really, you know, what faith is. Who or what are you trusting to secure you? Yeah. To secure your well-being yeah. in and, the future. And everything, especially looking out into the future, like, like faith is future-oriented, but so is fear is future-oriented. We mm-hmm. look out to these things that are promising, making promises to us. Right. God has made promises to them to, yeah. to bring them safely to the promised land. The desert's making promises to them that it will kill them. Yeah. Their yeah. stomachs are making like all these things are promising to them and they are choosing who to believe. Yeah. What to put their faith. That's a great way to frame in. it. And they start acting like faith, requ- faith must be put into action. And so they start to act on what mm-hmm. they're putting their faith in. Their faith is in their grumbling stomachs, mm-hmm. which turn into grumbling hearts, which turn into grumbling mouths. Um, and so the, the, the situation, you know, that, that's, what's so key is like, yes, the situation could be bad and it, and it is bad, but God has made promises to them despite their circumstances that he will bring them to yeah. a certain place. Yeah. And I think if you just, again, remembering the context and you pointed this out in the sermon, they had just seen not one, not two, not three, but 10 plagues mm-hmm. plus the parting of the Red Sea and mm-hmm. the destruction of Pharaoh's army. So, so they have lived and experienced in firsthand. They've, they've been witnesses of these supernatural events and the provision of God mm-hmm. and his deliverance. So that really frames it like, yes, food's a big deal. 
And if you suddenly found yourself in the desert without food and water, you might fear for your life, <laughs> yes. unless you're Bear Grylls. Yeah, but you'll be fine. If, if if you had if you were Israel, everything in your mind should be saying, "God brought us here, mm-hmm. and He has been showing His wonders, and He's going to multiply His wonders, and He's keeping His promises, and what what's He going to do next?" But just to see played out so dramatically for us, this is the inclination of the flesh toward unbelief yeah. to forget all of that and to say would have been better if we went back to Egypt, if we just die in Egypt, if God killed us there. Right. Yeah. When we read about um, God hearing their cry, hearing their grumbling, I think it was back early when we were in Exodus two or three, um, we talked about, you know, that's the footsteps we should hear in the distance of, God's about to act for his people. Mm. So Moses and Aaron coming before them and saying, look at what God's going to do. Um, he's heard your grumbling. He's going to act. And yet still they didn't listen to everything. Yeah. Um, you know, they received the provision and they took it for granted. They went out again on the seventh day to, to collect. Um, yes. And just then God, in case. <laughs> and then God steps in again and reminds them, look at what I just did for you. And yet you're, you're not being careful to obey everything that I've said. Mm. Yeah, I, I think that part of the story um, might, might be my favorite part. The, just the very specific instructions from God and the fact that those who didn't trust God's provision and thought, well, better just keep a little extra right. for tomorrow. The, the point that it makes about worms growing in it and it stank. I don't know why that, that word just <laughs> stank. I just love that word there. It, it stank. I mean, it was foul and unpleasant. And so, so you know, there are immediate unpleasant consequences for them yeah. because they didn't trust God. Well, and they, they disregarded. He said, gather as much as you want. Right. There's going to be plenty. Yeah. But he said, on this day, this is a day of rest to the Lord. Yep. And I've provided enough for you for that day. Right. Right. right? That, that's the whole point is that they will have their daily bread. The question, or so, you know, they are being their actions expose their hearts, yeah. right? And they are, I don't think they're just forgetful, right. which, you know, there's a category for that. Yes, they, yes, yeah. some people are just forgetful. But what I think what Moses is trying to say is, no, these people are not just forgetful. They just don't trust God yeah. that yeah. he will deliver. And, and this is, I remember this being a, a shocking realization to me that forgetfulness can have a moral quality to mm-hmm. it. It, it. It can be a sin because God commands remember Mm -hmm. these things. So if God commands, remember, and you forget, then your forgetfulness is not just, you can't just write it off as like, well, I'm finite and I don't have a good memory. And no, you've sinned because you failed to remember something God told you not to forget. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially when he institutes in to help you remember regular feasts, (laughs) regular statutes in order that you remember. And here every every morning, I'm going to give this to you. Yeah. And for 40 years, <laughs> I just, and the, the difference between, you know, the gathering on a Tuesday or a Wednesday versus going into the Sabbath that all the other days of the week, if you gather extra, it will be rotten the next day, mm-hmm. but going into the Sabbath, it won't be. Yeah. So it's, it's supernatural. Mm-hmm. This is divine. You know, how, how do you account for that from a materialistic explanation of the world? It, it doesn't make any sense that. Every other morning in the week, it's gone bad, except for they get up on the Sabbath morning when they're not allowed to go gather and there's nothing to gather anyway. And God's preserved yesterday's store. It just, in both of those ways, I think God is giving them kind of a extra 
lesson schooling mm-hmm. in in trusting him and it's laying a foundation for how they are to understand sabbath laws when they get into mm-hmm. the promised land because everything in us says wow if i could be this productive working six days a week think how productive i could be if i worked seven days a week that's right and god is teaching them no you you will not be more productive if you work seven days a week you will be less mm. it will go bad it will be rotten <laughs> yeah. i will provide in abundance for you in six days that will be more than what you could do for yourself in seven yeah. so that, trust me and that's instructive for us as yes. worrying people um worrying you know if i do not check my email today yeah i'm going to neglect someone who needs something and um you know things are just going to spiral down from there but i think that there's instruction there for us to um know that the lord has instituted a day of rest for us mm-hmm. that we would take it and that would be able to give us the energy the the strength the ability we need through the rest of the week to spend ourselves for others yeah mm-hmm. we haven't gotten to the 10 commandments yet and the sabbath uh <laughs> commandment but i just think of chick-fil-a as an example it's a great I think way to think anybody from a, a business mind well you just look at chick-fil-a and you think I, I, this has happened numerous times where we're like traveling on a sunday and yes. we forget it's a sunday oh and man, we man pull we, into a chick-fil-a when we were in south carolina this happened every time like leaving church the number one time we would want yeah. chick-fil-a is like all right let's pick up some chick-fil-a on the way home yeah. oh that's right it's sunday yeah uh last year when we were road tripping down to florida you know you lose track of what day of the week it is because you've just been driving forever and <laughs> pull into a Chick-fil-A and I'm like, what is going on? There's nobody here. Oh, it's Sunday. They're, they're closed. So you would think they're losing business. So why wouldn't they open seven days a week, more business? They could, they could have more revenue. And I just, I wonder if God hasn't blessed them because of that trust and reliance. It comes from one might say a, a trust in God. So anyway, I just think, you know, it's a, it's an incredible principle that's laid out and exemplified here for us with manna from heaven. Mm-hmm. Trust God. He will provide all that you need when you need it. The daily bread. I think that struck me in your sermon. Yeah. When you, you use that line that daily bread, like this is the first place we start to mm-hmm. see that principle of daily bread. Yeah. God will give you each day mm-hmm. what you need. Yeah. And it's highlighted in this is what it's so instructive to us is that in the promises that God makes to them to provide for them, he includes the conditions or the, the conditions set around how much they can gather, when they can yeah. gather. And, and we, we think of that as, is God just, what's he doing? Is he just playing cat and mouse? Why doesn't he just pour out a bunch of bread, let them do whatever they want? They're hungry. No, because at the, at the root of it all, it's always about faith. It's right. always about That's what right. are you trusting in? And so, you know, the Old Testament, specifically here in Exodus, God is teaching his people. He's training them this, not that, this, not that. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I forget which commentator said it, but it's, um, getting them out of Egypt in a lot of ways was the easy part. Mm-hmm. It's getting Egypt out of them that's going to be take time. It's going to mm-hmm. take the, the the process. It's like you know when Eustace gets turned into a dragon, he needs he he will not do it himself. He'll several, never go deep enough. Several to, layers of dragon skin to come right. Off. He needs to get a lot of dragon off, and he'll never get deep enough. It, it takes Aslan's penetrating, piercing, going mm-hmm. too far mm-hmm. um, to to clear him of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, and he's not showing his people wrath or anger either mm. in all of this. Um, you know, he's training his people, like you said. He's getting Egypt out of them, and yet he is also defeating his enemies at the same time. He's yeah. killing the firstborn in Egypt. He's um, wiping out Pharaoh's army in the Red Sea. 
Um, but yet his people keep sinning against him. Right. They're experiencing discipline, but they haven't experienced his wrath. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. And the purpose of all of it is to see and know God clear. I think in a couple of places, he, he just keeps mentioning, you will then see yep. the glory of the Lord. Then you shall know Verse that 12. I am the Lord, yep. your God. He just, he, he's so kind in his mood. He's not just pulled them out, this abstract people out of the middle of nowhere, just to bring them to a further middle of nowhere and leave mm. them there. He is acting on their behalf and coming near to them and, and revealing his character to, to them so that, you know, in a few chapters when, when Moses, when he's just God is fed up with it. And he says to Moses, you guys go, I'm staying here. And Moses tells the people this disastrous word. And they say, we will not go unless you come with us. So there's a, a learning, a getting to know one another that's taking place for the good of the people. Mm -hmm. And it's just so kind of God to respond to grumbly, whiny people with grace. I just, I just think, man, do I do that to my kids? Mm-hmm. Like when, mm-hmm. when they're whining and grumbling and I'm frustrated and I'm annoyed and I just, you know, eat your food and sit there and stop hitting Adeline. Like there's, there is, do I respond out of grace in order to teach so they might know the kindness of the Lord mm-hmm. rather than just stop annoying me. Right. Um, that informs my parenting that informs how I discipline. That's, that's a good application. Yeah. God is disciplining, which is, teaching and training and instructing for their own good, right? This is for their good. So what's wrong with doing it your way and not God's way. It will go badly for you. (laughs) It's going to go rotten on you. And so for your own good, trust God and learn to do it his way the first time, because you know, that's going to be the best way. And he just keeps doing exactly what he said he was going to do. Mm -hmm. Like sure enough, it goes, it burnt the, the, the manna burns up if they wait. Sure enough, if they keep it, it goes rotten. Sure enough, when they go out on the seventh day, there's nothing there. Like yep. he just keeps his word. It's <laughs> yeah. what he does. It's like when he said to Adam, if you eat of this, you will die. Yeah. Sure enough, it happened. Yes. Um, so it's just teaching them over and over again and then instructive to us over and over again that God is a God who keeps his word. Mm. He, he is a stabilizing force a stabilizing person in the midst of our chaos. He is the non-anxious presence, as Mm. as you like to say. He is the one who like is that ballast in the boat that Mm. that keeps Mm. when circumstances come at me, like all that we said, the the destabilizing effects to our souls. Um, He he has made promises to us and he has never not kept them. That's Mm -hmm. right. Yeah, and he rules by his word. Right. Which is a, a principle we you could turn to any page in scripture and show this this is a repeated theme and it's just one of the most foundational truths in the Bible that God rules the world, he governs by his word. Yeah. And so for his people learning to trust his word, take him at his word, obey his word, that's it. And, and that's it for us too. You know, same same thing. That, that's one of the key application points here. One of the other things that struck me in listening to the sermon and, um, you know, I, I was aware that Jesus cites this talks to the Jews about your, your father's ate, you know, manna from God. My father provided them in the wilderness. I am the bread Mm -hmm. come down from heaven. Mm -hmm. And so not surprised when you went there in the end, but the thought I had was Exodus is so incredibly Christ centered. Yes. Um, and, and I hope as we're preaching through this, everybody in our church is getting 
that sense and that awareness that, mm. and it's not like forced, like, right. Oh, Hey, here's a, a forced connection we now could make Jesus. to Christ. Yeah. yeah. Some, some cheesy tie in to somehow make it about Jesus. Like, no, the, Jesus said, remember the manna? I am the true bread from heaven. Right. Your fathers ate that and they died. <laughs> but if you eat this bread, you'll live forever. And so just uh, that idea that Exodus is again and again and again, pointing us to Christ as the true and better fulfillment is, is amazing. It's glorious and it should magnify Christ in, in our eyes. And what it's exactly right. And what stood out, what stood out to me in the text in Exodus 16 was um, when God made good on his promises and he actually provided what he said he was going to provide, he gives them abundance. That's what stood out to me as I, as I read Mm -hmm. it is like, yeah, not stingy. He's not stingy. He's not just giving them enough to, to keep them quiet. He's not just giving them enough to like, like K rations in the army. Like I'm just, just keep these guys alive to go die. Like it's not just trying to keep everybody breathing. He gives abundance. Mm. Everybody what was the text say of it here. And the people did. So they gathered, they gathered some more, some less. And when they measured it with an omer, whoever gathered much had nothing left over. And whoever gathered little had no lack. Mm. Each of them gathered as much as they could eat day after day. They were feasting and mm. day after day they were gathering and it tasted good. Mm. <laughs> I just think it's so yeah. interesting that Moses includes this. It tasted like a wafer made with honey, something sweet, something enjoyable, something delicious. Um, God could have just given them some, you know, whatever, just to keep, keep your carbs up. But he gives them delicious food that keeps them going, that, that they can feast upon. And like you said, if all of this is paradigmatic of what Christ is, then Christ is not just, you know, the old adage of just fire insurance. It's Mm -hmm. not, Christ is not just getting you out of danger and into good. N- not danger. He's he is abundance. He is joy. He is Soul life satisfaction. That's exactly right. That yeah. just it just that's what's so beautiful about this book about this word is that it's so it just adds dimension mm. to life, mm-hmm. um, which yeah, we and need. You, and you yeah you need to know this to make sense of when when Jesus shows up and says I'm the fulfillment of manna. Yeah, you have to be familiar with this story to really understand the fullness of, of what that means. And mm-hmm. I think the application of that, that you're pointing out God's abundant provision, everybody gathered as much as they needed. It, it just means as a, by application, come to Christ and, and take as much grace as you need Yeah, all the grace that you need. And, and don't worry about thinking, well, it seems like I need a lot more grace than other people. <laughs> there should just be no looking around in comparison because in the end, whoever, takes a lot of grace or a little grace, whatever, you know, however you want to think about that. Each person, there is enough in Christ for all that you need. And so if if you find yourself continually in need of grace, good, take more. There, there is plenty for you. And don't worry about tomorrow. That's that Matthew six passage. Like, Hey, take now, take today, worry about today. I'll take care of you today. And I've promised to take care of you tomorrow. Yeah. That's that's what's so beautiful about that. Yeah. And I think connected to that too, as you're waiting for God to, fulfill his promises, which he will do. Um, you're not just waiting for that, that grace, and that blessing. Then mm-hmm. when it happens, um, you're trying to, you know, bunker down until then. Yeah. But he has grace for you today. That's right. Um, joy for you today. He has uh, peace for you today, hope for you today. Mm-hmm. And so receive it, grab onto that, cling to it. Yeah. Um, until the Lord fills all of his promises for you in Christ. And so I think that's just what your sermon left me with yesterday mm-hmm. is, um, 
receiving the provision that the Lord has given for today, not expecting to, um, you know, receive the same thing tomorrow, but he has more for me tomorrow, mm-hmm. uh, whatever that might be until he mm-hmm. completes all his promises for me yeah. in Christ. And, and all, pro- all promises must be received by faith. That's right. And the beauty of this text, the beauty of, of, of Christ, of the gospel is that, uh, God did not say the grace and the provision is up here in heaven. Come and get it. Mm. He, he sent it down. Mm. He, he went, we could have never done that. We, there's no way to achieve that. Um, God came to us. Mm. We, we could not get it on our own. And how much more true is that now in Christ who, who, who blesses us, who, who came and dwelt among us. Um, you know, as John says, and we have seen his glory. Um, and we've received grace upon grace. It just, it, it makes Christ sweeter. Yeah. It really does. Yeah, it does. Matt, thank you again for handling this text and pointing to Christ and opening it up for us in a way that's uh, yeah, satisfying for our souls. This is, this is good.